2: my name is dave hanreddy and there will be no encore welcome to episode 258 of the no encore music podcast we're back with the first track by track episode of 2021 if you're unfamiliar with this format it's fairly straightforward we're in conversation with an artist about their album we go through every song on the album and we see where the conversation leads as we go as ever i'm more interested in the personal details rather than the technical though you'll get some of those too Previous episodes of this nature include sit-downs with Pillow Queens, Alva Reddy, Denise Chyla and Merley, Patty Hanna and Nilo. So go back and check those out on the No Encore podcast feed if you haven't already. They were conducted in September and October of 2020 and four of those five are up for the RT Choice Music Prize next week. Uh, not saying that we would anything to do with that, but who knows. Uh, this time around, as I say, we are here to discuss an album from 2021, an album by the name of Last Animals, which landed on Friday, February the 19th. It is the debut long player offering from Dublin singer-songwriter Aaron Smith, who trades under the name of A. Smith. The reviews have been strong, and rightly so. You can tell that Aaron put a great deal of work and personal life experience into this particular project. It is an album that has actually been finished and ready to go since the beginning of 2020, but with the way the world turned is only reaching us now. It is unquestionably a difficult time for musicians and artists of all disciplines, releasing handcrafted work into a world that is so hermetically sealed, you wonder if anybody is paying attention at all. Last Animals is very much worth your time though, and I hope this interview is too. Aaron has an interesting musical history of his own. It wasn't always this direction, this particular guy's. He formerly fronted a band by the name of Van Music, a radio-friendly outfit that looked like it was well on its way to making a mark on the Irish music scene, when suddenly it just quietly faded away. You'll hear why that happened, and why the experience led Aaron to quit music altogether for a time, before making the decision to do his own thing. We talk about releasing a debut album at the age of 40 and why I find that to be a particularly interesting and inspiring hook. We talk about his relationship with his fiance, a filmmaker by the name of Rachel Carey, and what it's like for two creative people to be working on their most personal projects at a time, side by side, when they can stand in front of an audience and properly share it with them afterwards. We talk about making a determined, independent statement and the hopes that people will indeed tune in. We talk about some notable people who have tuned in thus far, including Badly Drawn Boy and Robert Carlyle, who appear to be fairly strident fans of Aaron's work. All this and a lot more on this episode. I like Aaron. I think he's good company and I feel for him and that there's an unavoidable sense of anticlimax climax to anybody putting out any kind of personal project right now. But I do applaud him for seeing it through and I'm glad he took the time to take us through the album in this fashion. Before we go further, time for my usual Patreon plug. Now Encore is itself a fiercely independent entity and listener support goes an awful long way. Thank you so, so much to everyone who currently supports the show. Uh, we, if you like what we do, and you want to throw us the price of a pint, or a copy of Q magazine, may it rest in peace, or a hipster coffee, or whatever your particular denomination is, It would be hugely appreciated. It's patreon.com slash no where you'll get access to bonus episodes, including a two-part listener Q&A, a a previously lost songs of the year episode, and our now monthly personal recommends corner, which goes by the name of No Oxcord. That's Craig's advertising genius at work yet again. Uh, Those episodes also come with episode-specific playlists, and I'm looking forward to recording the next one in the next few days. We also post previews for the week ahead every Monday. And now, back to this, back to our track by track. I'm really, really happy to return to this format. It's been a few months, it's hard to do, and uh, there's more coming. I mean, like, it's kind of tricky, you know, I, I, like, I, I don't want to interview just anybody, and obviously the way things are at the moment, it's, it's hard to kind of get in front of people and really kind of get the time and the access, but uh, I think this is a really good one. I really enjoyed doing it, and I hope Aaron did too. I hope you enjoy listening to it, and check out the album Last Animals afterwards. So, without any further ceremony, here's me, Dave Hanready, in conversation with A. Smith on No Encore. Delighted to be joined on No Encore for our first track-by-track track of 2021. Hopefully the first of many. We'll see how we go. It is the wonderful
1: A. Smith. How's it going, man? Hey, Dave. How's it going? Thank you for having me.
2: You're very, very welcome. Thank I was you. saying to you off-mic that like we had you on the show a good while ago. I think yeah, it was 2018, possibly. It was 2018. And this feels kind of full circle. I mean, this feels yeah. like a good kind of one to do. It's good to have you on. It's a 10-track album, so of yeah. course the key to my heart immediately you know it's wonderful (laughs) uh the album is of course called last animals it is out now and yeah yeah, so as as i explained in my in my usually labored intro we go track by track on this we're going to play some snippets of audio from each song and then we'll talk about each track and kind of just have some jumping off points about conversations see how they go so let's kick it off with the first track That's Rain Boys. That's the opener of this album. It's a song that goes north of five minutes. Uh, I think it's very composed and considered for an opener to your debut album. I mean, was this always the one, or is that in itself something of a struggle to arrive at?
1: Um, I think when when I mean it was nine and a half minutes long initially. Initially, okay. And um, so yeah, there was a lot of cutting and cutting and even more cutting. <laughs> um. I, I always felt that it would that it would be an album opener and um, it was yeah it was one of the first songs that when when I was writing it and when like initially writing it and tracking it at home in my studio it kind of felt like okay this feels like the first song of the record I mean I write a lot I write every day I record every day but I guess when you're working towards making a record. Or you have an idea, I'm going to make a record and I'm going to do it soon or I'm going to start it soon. You don't really know where to begin. You know, I, I guess you're recording all the time and you're writing. So maybe you start, you know, months or years, you know, previous. But that felt, definitely felt like it was going to be the the opener to the record. And I had no idea what the record was going to sound like.
2: I mean something I've read in the reviews that I've seen of this and just kind of I guess the feeling myself is like the phrase kind of slow burn has been in yeah. there quite a bit um, is that in it like do you think that's a fair descriptor or is that kind of one of those ones where I think like depending on your discipline for music in general yeah. the phrase slow burn could either be like oh fucking unreal I love yeah. that or you might be like "Ah, oh, no man I am I need immediacy but I, I don't think this is a very immediate album and I, I, I think that like helps it but it's not like you know 2 FM uh, you know oh, yeah. 3 in it's the afternoon not. So um, like that in and of itself, I mean, because like, because your style has kind of changed. I mean, the first time yeah. I heard you put out a single at all, I think it was Into the Darkness. Yeah. And that was very kind of power poppy, bit mm. of synth, um, which is not quite the complexion on this one. So how did you yeah. arrive even at a, a general template for this one?
1: For Rainbow's or for the record itself? Yeah, because I think the song is fairly reflective of the oh, record. Of the record. It's kind of like, <clears throat> going back to Into the Darkness, that was from a recorded initially recorded nineteen songs in Westland Studios and Darkness was part of that collection and that was supposed to be a record and it just didn't it didn't happen for, you know, one reason or another, but we start putting singles out. I'd started to work with Darren Olin, um, Astacalapa, start working with him and we decided we'd do Darkness first as a I suppose an introduction really between the two of us working together and we put that out and then instead of it, it was too soon to do a record. There were so many songs, and there wasn't really a cohesive tread. So a lot of that kind of poppiness, like, was kind of we not we weed, actually weeded out. That's probably the best thing. We kind of weeded it out over a period of time. Um, <clears throat> I think darkness uh, signals that kind of followed that coming back to you and fever. They were like there was definitely like a power pop element there. How we arrived at Rainbow's was. I on all the songs that kind of followed that I kind of started to shut the world out is really how like I came to that point because like I think when you're an artist and you're putting singles out and you're kind of moving with the times or moving within a scene or whatever's happening in a city it tend to keep tabs on yourself and what you're doing and like let's do this because you know what I mean some things feel like the right time and then when it came to doing the record I found that I wasn't on social media anymore I wasn't really paying attention I was just it's a good move it's a really good move (laughs) yeah and I went (laughs) no matter who you are I guess it really is and I went well like who is because these are like pop songs and they kind of work a certain way and like I said, I write a lot and I record a lot. And I'm like, this all those other things that are a huge part of who I am as a writer and probably as a person and a storyteller. And they don't get any airtime. Yeah, of course. And I just went, I'm going to just shut everything out now. And I'm going to be really, really uh, selfish with what I'll do. And I want something that I can just go, you know what, for a moment in time, I listened to my inner self or something like that it's hard to articulate but I just kind of went turn everything off let's sit down let's play all these songs on acoustic guitar and really go to town on the arrangements and how they move and flow and then that's how it just became a slow burn of a
2: yeah, but I guess it, it's, it's kind of what came natural. I mean, you mentioned kind of like mm. getting airplay or something. I mean, I mentioned it in the intro, like you used to be in a band, fan music. Yeah. Very different. Very different. From what this is. Yeah. And I presume it could have been fairly straightforward to just do the same thing again. Yeah. Was it a case of consciously being like, that it's closed?
1: Yeah, I closed it. Okay. I wanted to close it. Did you I'm want to close it
2: while you're in the band? Or or was it In by music? Or was that like an experience that you <sighs> needed to have in order 'cause because like, that was I guess like you played festivals, you know, like yeah, like there, there there was a you run other voices, I watched that performance yeah. earlier on today. Yeah. Um and we've spoken as well, we had like Benny Smiles on the show a while ago, who yeah, was in Russ. that band with you of course yeah, as well. Russ. And it's like uh, we we've talked about this before, like I mean yeah. I, I like I, I like I was very dismissive of band music. I was kinda of like, ah, oh, it's top man remember. Yeah. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well hey
2: look, we're here now <laughs>
1: We're friends uh,
2: eventually. No, I'm a big boy, but it's very different. I mean, like it's a like like is that? But was I was I too dismissive? I mean, like was there more to that band than I perhaps saw?
1: Was there? Yeah, I yeah. There was a lot. There was a lot more to that band that we even like. We quashed that. Like we didn't. We stopped that. I mean, when Van first started, it was just me in my room writing songs, put a band together. It was. It was great. Like we met Ross, met Phil, met Rob, we all got together. There's other people that we played with in intervening years and we settled on a lineup and very quickly we just started to get a ton of hype and then we start getting played on the radio and then it went from being kind of left of century kind of electro poppy stuff to slave to the radio. Like, you know, if you want to do it, you know, like we, we got record offers, we got all that type of stuff. And if you want to do this, you got to, you know, be on the radio. That's where you'll get it. And then it just became this big focus for radio and for pop songs. And You
2: got to get the word dance floor into your lyrics kind of thing.
1: That kind of, like I remember, Jesus Christ, I remember sitting with a, I remember sitting with a guy. I won't say who, because I learned them a iffy, but <laughs> we can bleep it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't say it. <laughs> like... I remember sitting in a meeting and him just like tearing us to shreds going, you need to get rid of all these lyrics and you need to start writing for like 16 year old girls. That's where the market is. And at that point when, you know, people were saying that to me in the industry, I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Like, this is just not for me. The heart went out of it then, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and because the band became this vehicle towards success rather than, to, like, make a statement of, like, an artistic statement or, you know, to do what, like, you know, we set out because the demos that I used to record in my room were very, very different to yeah. what we ended up putting out. And you just get on this conveyor belt. You're
2: being just... dehumanized. I mean, the fact that, like, I mean, that they're saying that what you wrote on a page means fucking nothing. Yeah, I
1: remember,
0: like,
2: sitting there. But you a... guys physically could hold the instruments and could, like, yeah. we can we can position you into a place. And, like, listen, if that's what you want to be in the music industry, cool, but like i mean like like i guess some people do want that yeah i mean you probably could have been like i mean that like that's not like uh, that could be sleepless nights like that could be like we could do it we could like be successful but also i would hate myself so
1: yeah like i remember i remember yeah just like having meetings with guys and oh we spoke to this label this major blah, blah, blah 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 and this is what they want they want it to be more like this you need to write more like you know, we're going to get you to write with songwriters and we're going to get guys in who are going to teach you how to write songs. And I remember going, they absolute chops on this guy. <laughs> who, who does he think he is? I am a songwriter. He, I'm a songwriter. This is what we do. And then there'd be arguments over, well, if we want to do this, la la la. And I was just like, oh God,
2: this is just... So none of that this time around. Or did you have any kind of... I think I read I, read, I read an interview you did with John Marr in The Independent, mm-hmm. which was a very nice interview. And I think it did mention that there was some label interest, but you very... I guess steadfastly chose to do this your own way which might mean sacrificing you know those kind of steps on the
1: ladder yeah I got I got approached <sighs> I got approached by majors in the summer mm. I suppose I probably shouldn't say that I should probably be a bit more quiet. it doesn't matter anyway I'm yeah. not doing it you know you don't use a name, name like, yeah we we got approached during the summer and they they saw we played with the voices we did the TV brilliant experience so frightening. I don't, like it was just really <laughs> frightening. It was the first proper TV like show for A Smith. You know, you bundle on, you get going, you have to, you do it. And but it, even though
2: like you've done it before, because like like with Van Music, th- like this feels like a totally
1: different path, right? This feels like a totally different thing. It's a totally different thing. But I all Van Music songs were written on acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of them, all written on acoustic guitar. There's just there's no difference. And it was an, I suppose it was an exploration into. Writing because I'd played in bands before, been in bands for years, like you know, like some kind of punky bands. You know, I've, I just, I just, I've always loved playing music. Yeah. I've always loved being in a band, just having the crack. You know, writing songs, doing my thing, and I, I'm I'm lost. Where am I going? <laughs> So you're out of the voices, oh, the voices as A. Smith though this time. Oh as, and there as are like Oh yeah, so getting back. And there's like listeners, no, no. I have a listeners tendency <laughs> to go off on a tangent. Who are you talking to? Myself
2: <laughs> like, the music. If anyone's listening to this, they are aware of me and therefore they're aware of my my <laughs> yeah. my numerous rambles. So
1: Yeah, so yeah, we we yeah, doing Dune, Dune A. Smith for T V Dan in Other Voices in 2019 was really nerve wracking. Because it was our first TV thing. But also we were playing 80% of the set was new songs that were going to be on Last Animals. So we hadn't, we had barely rehearsed these songs. And we were now playing them live. Like like it was it was nuts. But we said we're not going to play the older A. Smith stuff because it's not going to be in the record. And the only way to do it. Is just to get out there, play the new songs, cut your teeth on them. Just do it. Yeah. And and do it. And the guys I play with, you know, I've got Dennis Cassian drums, Darry Higgins on bass and Ryan Hargan in, is in playing keys. Like They are the best guys in Dublin. They are so professional. They're so technically proficient. It was easy for me to go, right, let's do this. Because I knew it was me I had to worry about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, there's a lot of pressure to... Deliver a whole set of new songs that no one has ever heard. No, it's your name as well. Yeah. Front and centre. But to get back to the point of the label thing, we did that show and it went out on TV and then they, the label people saw uh, some songs on Made in Chelsea and then they got in touch and we had a chat and they, they were really interested in the earlier stuff like, you know, Fevers and Coming Back to You and Darkness and that kind of poppy, kind of rocky power poppy type thing and I just said that we weren't I wasn't going to do that like this was the record and I was in the middle of mixing the record and that I wouldn't be doing I wouldn't be I wouldn't be going back Yeah I was moving forward with this record and we're still talking I mean it's but it's not
2: like a song like Rainbows, for example is like anathema to you know any kind of commercial aspect or any kind of radio play it's just not that level of sub three minute, three choruses, you know, yeah. kind of boom, 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 boom. I guess it's a very interesting kind of push pull for you because you have it in your locker. It's there, mm. but you decidedly went in a different direction. And like I say, it's not like you were like, this isn't fucking Metal Machine music. Like, this isn't yeah. like, I'm going to make something indecipherable. <laughs> it's just like they're patient songs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We just, I just took my time with them. I had so much fun, just lost hours. Filling around with the structures and the arrangements of them because like that's how I work that's how I write I go into a room I'll be working on a song and then something will something will fly out like rainboys the day I wrote Boys, I wrote when it calls that day as well I had a f- full long day in my studio I was working on something else and then the Boys idea came to me as I was waiting for something to bounce down and then I just went a totally different direction with that and then just worked on that for a couple of hours and then when I was had the kettle on to make a cup of tea I just started humming something else and went in and then when a call's popped out and that's the beauty of it I don't put any limitations on and it just it just goes on and on and on like time you know I don't it, it's excellent and that's why a lot of the songs started off being really you know really long six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 minutes and that's what I love too that's when I'm at my happiest when I'm in my studio just kind of Losing time with songs that are way too long. (laughs) Uh, We'll get to when it
2: calls, but for now, we'll have track two. That song is track two. It's called Yeah, You Said, which I guess is appropriate for all this off-mic chatter we're indulging yeah. in. Um, <laughs> it's not like we're hiding the good stuff or anything no. for you listener, Don't worry. You're getting the whole love. You're getting everything. Um, how do you feel about comparisons? Because, I mean, like, I hear a bit of Bono in this, but a you too. The good you 2 The good you too. And I hear, I read, like, I mean, so hang on, if I have this right... Uh, in the Sunday Times Culture Review of the record, yeah. you were compared to a few people, including Ryan Adams. Which is like, I thought we would have done away with that one by now. Like, I mean, but there you go. Compared to a terrible human being, yeah, I compared guess. Compared to
1: a terrible human, like, yeah, yeah.
2: That's a weird one because, especially when you're like, huh oh, man, comparisons. I, I think are always an interesting thing for any musician to, to kind of have to reckon with because, yeah, I'm the one throwing at the comparison. I'm never on the receiving end of it. Like I'm not told, oh, Dave, you sound like Joe Rogan. Thankfully, I'd take his, <laughs> I would take his money though. Um, but I mean, like it's it's that weird thing of like, you know, like you know, they're a necessary evil, I guess, for people. It, it it might make someone be like, oh,
1: cool, I like maybe not Ryan Adams, but like, you know, I like this. I'll I'll I give think, it a go. Yeah. Comparisons help people make sense of something that they don't know or understand. It's like, it's a it's an invitation into experiencing something. Yeah, I think. Not, you like used to grind my gears some of the uh, comparisons, but honestly, I I don't care. I don't what care was the anymore. most
2: the most grindiest?
1: I used to get Bono. I, used to get I just Bono. said that. I know, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, but I'm untriggered. <laughs> okay, that's good. I'm untriggered. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I saw the Ryan Adams thing, and yeah, you know, that person listened to it, and you know, Steve Cummins listened to it. Thanks, Thank Steve. thanks, Steve. It's a good review, and it's a great, it's a super. It's not review. like he said it to trash you. Like it's uh, it clearly meant no. in a... It's clearly it, meant in a, That's in a, like, that's what Steve thought, and yeah. that's I have to be okay with that. It's it's said and it's out there. I can't, you can't chase everything down. You're not you're not in control of your. Well, you are in control of your own image. To I say, for most of an extent, but yeah. People say different things about what you might do or what you might say, what you might look like, what you might sound like. And that's just part of it. Well, I guess on
2: that, I mean, if it's like, I hope this is an okay subject to broach because like, I, I like I said, I read the John Marr interview and mm. I was getting towards the end of it. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, man, my jaw hit the floor when he was like, at the age of 40, I was like, what? I would have given you 30 for a start. Yeah. And I say this, <clears throat> I say this as a 36 year old who I'm like, I think I'm doing okay with my twice a day moisturiser routine. But I'm like, yeah. bro, <laughs> drop the skincare yeah. routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, Whoa. And then to me, I'm like, well, that's a, that's a hell of a story. I think releasing your debut solo album at the age of 40. I'm like, that's like, mm. that's great. Like, it makes me fucking feel good. <laughs> like,
1: no, no, it makes me feel good as well. Again, I think there's like, yeah. You know, get hell back with whatever you want to hold you back. There's nothing holding me back in my life hmm. at all. I'm gonna do what I wanna do, what I've always done. And that's just the way Has I look it at always it. been like that though? Um, did
2: you hit a point where you were like, fuck the barriers, like what am I doing? Yeah.
1: I mean like I suppose like van Mus- like just getting back to van just because sure. that, that's that's yeah, like, like I know, don't want that felt like a great barrier because it was like, Oh, I don't do this anymore and then I went, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. I just didn't want to do it. You
2: were fully done.
1: Yeah, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I love the guys. You know what I mean? And when we meet up from time to time, we have great fun. And it's always a good laugh. Yeah. It's always a good laugh. But I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I just said, right, that's it. I'm going to not do this. And people at different things, whether it's age or looks or whatever, or how they feel or whatever, it holds people back. Sorry. It's not that, you know, like there are some things that hold people back. That's fair enough. Yeah. You just have to make a decision with, and that that was another thing, you know, um, about why did you decide to, you know, do a record a certain way? I just want, why do, I just want to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to get off whatever it is, you know, people expect musicians to do, or, you know, you have to, like it comes back to, well, you've yeah, got to try and get on the radio and you got to try and get a booking agent, you know, people are like, oh, you know, you got to try to get a publisher and you got to do all this gotta stuff. Got to get it's on like, TikTok, bro. <laughs> like yeah. all that kind of you gotta stuff, You got on yeah. those, and it's like, you know what? I don't have to do anything. All I want to do is write songs. Yeah. And that's all I've ever done. And you come to realisation that that's what makes me really, really happy. Right. Is writing songs and putting records out. And I will be doing this when I'm 60. Yeah, yeah. That's just not, like, I know, I know I'll be doing that because I've been doing it.
2: All my life. Yeah, I mean, the reason I bring it up is not to be like, oh my God, you're 40. It's me because it, it's me being like, I'm currently going through, and I said this to Adam like beforehand, I was like, I think I might be having a midlife crisis. I mean, I think I'm like, I'm in this mode now where I don't have a nine to five, I don't have a partner, and I'm just, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I'm feeling like I'm fucking done. I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I, I'm like, but you're not done. But I feel like I'm done. And well, I feel like I'm never going to write that book, you know, and no one cares what I have to say. And, you know, yes, there are people who listen to this show, and that's great. And I don't mean to diminish that whatsoever, but I'm like, we're not fucking Blind Boy podcast big, you know. And then I'm like, and, and I'm like, what am I doing? But I'm, but then I'm just like, unfortunately, that energy has now kind of coalesced to such a degree that like, and it's just your standard. Also, like, you know, depression, anxiety comes in waves. Mm-hmm. I was doing okay, and now I'm crashing. Even today, like, you know, coming out to do this interview, I was like, oh god. <laughs> but I'm, 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 but I'm enjoying this. This is good. But it's like, but honestly, like when I saw, like when I saw that, and I was like, I was like, okay, it's chaps, forty. First of all, it doesn't fucking log out. Second of all, I was like putting out a debut album at that age. I'm like, that's amazing because I'm like, I want to write a book. I don't know if I ever will, but I'm like, oh, you know, like it would have been like, why didn't I do it ten years ago? And I'm like, and like forty isn't old, sixty isn't old, but but yet I just feel like all these drills going down into my brain, being like, you've missed your chance.
1: Yeah, but that that's that's like there's one thing I'll just roll back on. You said, you know, you're not Blind Boy podcast big, but Blind Boy does his thing. And that blind boy is blind by bit. I I don't know how many followers he has. I see him stuff from time to time on Twitter and it comes up and, you know, it's there. And he corners that part of, I don't know, the Twitter sphere or the whatever it is. And that's his. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't compare yourself. You shouldn't compare your podcast to his because his thing is just something it's something different and it's its own entity. And I think what happens, why people, I think, and I'm, I'm not judging anybody, but I think why people sometimes don't get past and maybe it's why it took me so long to do a record, you're on that train of, well, if I do this, then I'll get this thing where they don't really figure out what they should be doing themselves. And when you do that and you accept, this is what I'm going to do, it might take five years or ten years to be the biggest thing, or maybe it won't. What am I going to learn along the way? Then things start moving. You know, things just move. You kind of unlock the block or whatever. Yeah, I mean
2: it's not that i want to be like the most successful person in the world but it's just like i think the markers of success have changed and are just so different and the fact as well i I agree with you the comparison thing is 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 death but Mm. you kind of can't help it like you're always like oh that person looks like they got their shit figured out they probably don't but like you feel like they do um i I mentioned books there as well um this song is inspired by a book right
1: uh, nineteen eighty four by George Orwell, yeah, I
2: wanted to ask you, is that your favorite book, or do you have a favorite book or books, even like how much of a, I used to fucking love books, man, and I
1: become so bad at reading them i I love books I mean, um, yeah, I read all the time nineteen eighty four frightened the life out of me. I read it once, and that <laughs> was enough. <laughs> I read it once and I was like, oh, this is the world now, um I read it years ago, years and years ago, and then the idea for the song popped into my head when I when this thing I actually thought about right before and we're talking about this off the off microphones there but this song came to me in a couple minutes I was actually gone out to do the 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 weekly shop the weekly shop with my uh, with my fiance and I right before I start like picking the guitar piece out like the the doo-doo doo-doo. I actually thought of that book, and maybe I'd read something in the news that day. maybe Donald Trump had done something that had frightened the life out of me, and I thought about that book, and all of a sudden the songs start coming, and then I just start write, I just start writing lyrics, and they kind of just referenced that book and how it felt when I read that book. Um, and that's how that song kind of came to be inside of three minutes the bones of it I mean obviously it took a lot of work we had to figure out what went where it's formless for the most part
2: we'll take a listen to the third track now because there's a there's kind of a motif in this track and the next one that I kind of want to highlight so Don't let me down. And uh, between this and the last one, like I mean, like there's kind of a sunny, uh, I guess, a sunny disposition in terms of the melodies and the yeah. guitar line. Yeah. So it, you mentioned like like 1994. You said sort of write in the Life" idea, It's not an uplifting book. Um, you're yeah. kind of you like you're doing that juxtaposition thing on some of these songs mm. where it's kind of the first thing you hear musically kind of falls into step with you and in in, in, in in a bit of a stride. Yeah. But it is oh, like, these are heavy themes and they are, like, yeah. introspective. So yeah. was there a deliberate choice to be, like, I want to play with that? I want to kind of mix it up a bit and just not be, like, not not so much deceptive, but, like, that kind of thing of just, like, having your cake and eating it too, I suppose, from a, from an emotional perspective. Uh,
0: I, I, think,
1: I think there's a lot of heavy themes with the stuff I write. You know what I mean? I write in the human condition, I guess, ultimately. And I write about what I've experienced or what I see being experienced by people around me, Um, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't, like, I I think I start with an idea, or I start with something that kind of, like, explodes like a star in my head, you know, with Don't Let Me Down, say, for instance, I was watching um, Dark, the German Netflix uh, show? yeah the giant the German which uh, I hear is great but also oh it's
2: excellent super complicated it's
1: super complicated (laughs) Um, and I love Dark Um, I love like as a child like you know space Star Wars blah 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 blah, all of the usual kind of things I mean I'm not a big sci-fi guy I'll just put that out there because I don't want to get pulled up online going he's full of shit (laughs) but I just love the idea of space and I love the idea of time travel and all that kind of mad stuff and when I started, again, it, it all comes back to I'll be in my studio a lot. I'll be working on music and I'll record bits of music then, blah, blah, blah. And then one day I'll have this idea for something. And I was watching Dark and kind of themes about, you know, they hop, they travel through time and parallel universes and all the rest. And then I just start thinking about that little guitar thing I had. And I was like, oh, I could write a song about this. And it, then I just start writing and I'm writing about kind of, Nearly me or humanity now, and the guy in the future, you know what I mean? And I thought about me going, All right, Aaron, don't do anything silly now that's going to make life tough in the parallel universe. Yeah. (laughs) For me, who's like, I don't know, 65, you know? I know this is totally crazy. But you know, when you got time is, uh, in your hands and you're sitting around your studio, you're going, "I wonder what's happening in the future." You know, you're just it's kind butterfly of effect
2: stuff, is it? Like yeah. it's that kind of thing of like, "Oh, this tiny action idea right now could change everything," but mm. I don't quite realize it. Um like, there's an anxiety to the song. There's an anxiety about time, yeah, and that kind of comes across as well. I, mm. I, I think in that way, the guitar line's quite smart because it's it's a bit tricksome. You know, it's a bit kind yeah. of like it's busy, and then it's like. Yeah, there's like, like, like it's, 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 I guess, ascending. Like, like there's an elevation mm. to it, which yeah. is almost kind of like a rocket to the moon type thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but I didn't. I don't know. Like, like it's. I love sci-fi as well, but I didn't quite like. Like, I didn't take a downbeat thing from this. Not that I'm saying that that's what no. you're saying, but like it's. No. But I guess to kind of like try and apply that heaviness, and I guess like I, I, I kind of. I was struck by the idea of, especially with the fact that you're releasing this album now, Mm. it was recorded a while ago. Mm. You've been sitting on it for a while. Yeah. I guess a lot of people, like, for for a lot of musicians right now, like, releasing anything now is, there's an unavoidable sense of anticlimax given the way the world is. Yeah. But I wonder if, whether it's this song or whether it's the album at all, is it a case of trying to kind of claim some ownership over the situation, whatever that may mean?
1: Yeah, I I think... I would have, like, I do have, like, I suppose there's there's two sides to it. I do have a certain, I I have a lot of anxiety about the world. Like, you know, just about, oh Jesus, what are we doing? You know, you look at the destructions of, you know, the oceans, the forests, you got crazy right-wing governments, you know, people are getting lied to left, right and centre. You know, racism is really picking up in this country again, big time over the last few months. You know, that fills me with dread and it's dread for me but it's also dread for my friends and family uh, people around me dread for good people you know so it's really really hard not to you know personally I find it really hard not to be affected by that it's just it's it's fucking everywhere pardon my French it's just everywhere oh you can curse work work away (laughs) (laughs) unavoidable and then the flip side I've got this just I just think I've got this never say die. I've got this, you know, like we'll make it. I don't know what it is. I've got this little pilot light that just goes, just keep going, keep trucking, be the best person you can, try and influence people in the right way without ramming your point of view down their throat. Yeah. And I'll stop
2: it there. And I will say that, like, I don't think that these songs are didactic, like they're Mm. not preachy. I think that that the, the tension is in there. Like I can hear it, and I agree with what you're saying. Unfortunately, I wish I didn't. I wish I was like, well, everything's great. We talking about <laughs> like
0: it ain't. <laughs> no, it's shit. <laughs> uh,
2: but no, it's just like like it's 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 a, it's it's, a, it's it, like it goes without saying that it's a scary fucked up time. But also, it is a thing of like, yeah, it's like Jesus, like it's hard enough for this generation, let alone the ones coming after this. Yeah. Like, what is happening to the world? They're huge questions, and I think, I think the fact that you don't stand up there in a pulpit is the smart move. I think that, like, these anxieties come across in the songs, but I never felt like you were yelling at me or no, lecturing God, no. me. Like, and I'm I'm glad of
1: that. No, <laughs> like, I, I just wouldn't. I mean, I think it's, I think it's an, I think it's an artist's job to observe and talk about things, but not necessarily, I think some songs need, you, you do need, you know, some songs work and some artists are really good at, uh, you know, getting their points across. But I think ultimately you have to just observe and write about maybe how you feel about a certain thing and then move on to the next thing. That's how I feel about art, you know. Uh, and it, I don't think it's my job to do it. I just write about it because I'm interested in writing and I like to write and I like to record and I like to put music out. Yeah. And I guess it's just my little part of the world or the universe and I'm just... This is what I observed and this is what I saw. And hopefully we can just steer the ship in the right way.
2: It's funny because, like, I mean, I think musicians... However well intentioned or however super talented or whatever mm. are always on that precipice in some ways. Yeah. I remember like, uh, years ago, like I, I don't know if I heard it or if my friend told me, but there was like, cause you know, like your standard like local musician who thinks he's the fucking god of music and you get a few of those
1: in every town. Jesus, definitely... I hope you're not going to talk about van music here. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness,
2: like Keith Kent, you're bringing it up more than I am. So like, yeah, like I, 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 I had this thing of like being like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bombard him with van music stuff. And I'm like, you keep bringing it up. like it's it's, it's it's like like I I, I feel like I'm gonna be as respectful as I can be, and I think we've covered the man music thing fairly strongly. But by all means, but I was gonna say was I know that like there's some people like that you encounter in life where you're like oh man, like you think the fucking sun just shines out of your brain, and it's like they're usually like in shit cover bands or whatever. And I remember this one guy in Drada and he said oh no. like um uh, for me uh, I choose to protest through song, and it's like that's like a fair enough sentiment. But I think voicing it out loud that way is just so clumsy. And I guess that's the kind of line that I think a lot of musicians straddle. And it's a tough one because you clearly, like, if you didn't care about the world around you, that'd be fucking weird. Mm. But you're not marketing yourself as that. It's not like, here's A. Smith, eco-warrior. Like, you're not that guy. But you're perfectly entitled to express those opinions. I mean, I, I guess it's tough to find the balance, especially because you don't want people either to come away from this record feeling depressed, which thankfully I didn't. So I guess I don't know. It, it's it, it's a tough it's a tough balancing act.
1: Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, you work at it. I guess you mm-hmm. know. Uh, you'd read your lyrics back and you'd figure out, okay, I got got to get rid of those lines. How
2: often do you bin lyrics? Like, like how are you?
1: A lot, <laughs> like a lot. You know, it's kind of sometimes I would write I would I would have a couple of lines per song and I would kind of just leave it sitting there and you know it doesn't always come to me straight away you know like lyrically like with this song I had the first verse for a good while and I had plenty of second verses and just none of them were sitting with me so I would just leave off but I knew for me I felt it was a special song and I knew it would make the record So I just put it to one side and kind of said, you're safe. And then I went off to work on something else and I'd be kind of just reading or just thinking about it. And then eventually the verse came and I was like, great, there it is. You got to be patient with songs, you know. You kind of... Songs change all the time, I find, right up until you record them. Like you'll scrap lyrics or you'll change a word or three words in a song and then the whole thing just shifts, you know. That can happen when you're getting ready to record. I I try not to put too much pressure on the lyrics because I just don't know how I feel on the day when I gotta commit it. You know, so I kinda tend to leave it a bit loose. Life
0: is like my cat. Show you love and bite and scratch. Say what mine say what
2: That's track four. It's "Say You Won't Mind." Uh, scratches on the guitar. Oh, is that a pleasure to record, or is that a nightmare to get just right?
1: That was a nightmare to try and get rid of. <laughs> get rid of? We, we it's real scratchy, in the it's real scratchy in the kind of the, the middle eight.
2: Yeah, I figured that like that was a flourish. I figured that was like a very deliberate stylistic choice.
1: That's just my playing. <laughs> that is my playing. Yeah. I. So when I when I play acoustic guitar, I don't change strings. So the strings in my acoustic that you heard right there—they're about two years old, because the deader the string, I find there's less scr- less scratch, and it doesn't wrestle with my voice. The bright big bright acoustic kind of guitar is like the of the string for me is just it's just better. I find my voice, and that goes really hand in hand. But my god, they. I don't know what it was in that moment in time when we recorded the guitarist, for say in my mind. It was just every time I even looked at my guitar, I went, crink!
2: Wow, I was so sure that it was... Because it's most apparent on this song more than any other.
1: Yeah. I mean, we I can... like it. Like,
2: it's I, I, I enjoyed it. I was like, that's a oh, cool. Yeah, that, yeah, I that, think get that... the first one, but it's good. <laughs> like, and the, and again, the fact that it's not over-laboured, I was like, fair enough. But then you're also like, but I guess it's a trope. I mean, I wonder, like, it, like, is, so it's something that you you would prefer to avoid. You like, you wouldn't want then, that on
0: there.
1: You know what? Right? Is it a cliche? The scratch, the guitar no, scratch. I didn't notice it until uh, Dara Higgins, who plays bass, when we start getting the mixes back. He said to me, oh, you know, I love Say What Mine, but you need to go back and you need to take a look at the middle eight because the scratches are taking my head off. (laughs) And I went, what scratches? And then I listened back and went, oh, those scratches. And I listened to it maybe 10 or 11 times and hadn't heard them until he actually said it. But it's just my playing. First thing I heard, man, I was like, oh, there they are there they are look at this and guy look at this guy lot. showing off huh? yeah no that's not that's not showing off I mean we should just rewind and I can wax lyrical about how hard it is you know, to do that it took I mean, me it's a technical thing you know
2: days we ran over budget I, I swore I would get it there's yeah. a lyric here we heard it uh, there's no algorithm for love Yeah, but uh, but you've cracked it mate you mentioned it already you're engaged to a filmmaker no less so, I, I wanted to ask um, yeah, yeah. what are lockdown movie nights like in the A. Smith household <sighs>
1: Every night, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am watching
2: I a disgraceful amount of films. So, but, but but I but I assume you know we got a musician in one corner, we got a filmmaker in the other. Is it art house central or what's the story?
0: It's it's a
1: great mix of it's a great mix of everything. Um, whether it's trash TV or you know, like what do we watch. Oh my God, we watched this thing, didn't I? I actually had a conversation with somebody about this today. (laughs) The Mystery at Cecil Hotel. So everyone's talking about this. It's a Netflix thing. Okay. I never trash anyone's art or anything like that. I think everything has value. But Sounds like you're about to trash someone's art, man. But but, stop the lights. (laughs) I got, I got, we got midway through episode three. I had to turn it off. It is. This is a true crime thing. And I know. It's not even true crime. Oh, Your phone's in flight mode.
2: My phone's in flight <laughs> mode. I do apologize. But it's, I've seen people going on, where else, Twitter about this. Uh, it's about a death, and a potentially accidental death. And, I, and I, I'm aware of the story. It's quite a spooky story. But it's I haven't, really I haven't seen the show. Yeah, and I've heard the show is incredibly it's, exploitative and like it's really fucking so dumb supportive. death. Like a girl with
1: mental health problems died. And I didn't get to episode four. I only got midway through episode three. But they went down... Every conspiracy, you know, they were, oh, you know, she was, like, sexually assaulted and blah, 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 and then the police came back and said, actually, no, that there was, you know, we didn't find anything in the autopsy, like, everything, like, they ran her through the, you know, at one point, there's a journalist in it, and I can't remember his name, but he said, you know, she was a 21-year-old girl, you know, uh, hanging around Skid Row, like, you know, Surely she'd be doing drugs or something along the yeah, lines yeah, of that, yeah. and I just went, "What a 21, 21 one year twenty-one-year-old girl? Like, what about a twenty-one-year-old guy? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, stri- it's like for like, Jesus Christ, they're tone deaf." Uh,
2: the only reaction I've seen to the show is people saying it's really irresponsible, which is interesting because I feel like it might not be traditional true crime, but it's certainly being marketed as that. I it's, think it's actually it's called disgrace. true crime or something, but like that's big business, especially Netflix. Like, I mean, like people fucking love. This kind of stuff, I know the salacious kind of, you know, CD real life horror.
1: Mm. Um, so you're steering away from that, basically. The, yeah, I stopped. That is generally yeah, yeah. not. Um, <laughs> I the, the last thing we watched that absolutely blew my mind. There was two two movies. We only watched them last weekend. Um, one was uh, Radha Black's forty year old version.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen this. I watched that,
1: um, and it just it, it's like. I don't know Reminded me of Spike Lee Or something like that She is a superstar She's may. Am- it was just It was incredible Like really Like truly inspiring Just as I don't know Again You can do anything At any age You know You can Like people pivot All the time And mm-hmm. she just she sat there You know part of, I don't want to spoil it For people But it was A real inspiration It was Excellent filmmaking It really really was um, that and uh, we watched The Biggest Little Farm haven't it's, heard of them. Uh, it's a documentary about uh, this couple from LA who kind of give up their life kind of fast paced life in the city get some investors set up a farm and they I don't know like rescue like 200 acres of farmland out in the county in California and they want to get a, they want to make a farm that like works in harmony you know all the animals kind of provide a role and it, it's incredible I was I was destroyed at the end of it so um, with with, uh,
2: with regards to like your current living situation and like it's two creative people doing like I guess an interesting time for both of you I suppose because I mean like yeah she's got a movie coming out next month which I think is closing the Dublin Film Festival yeah. the Virgin Media Film yeah. Festival um, Deadly Cuts is that Deadly what it's called Cuts, yeah. so Rachel Carey is yeah. her name Rachel Carey and is that her debut film
1: her debut feature film as yeah, she wrote and directed it
2: sweet and your debut album's out now so this yeah. is like a really interesting time even though again everything's hermetically sealed like yeah. you know <laughs> gala parties and launch nights for gigs I know, aren't i happening. feel really
1: bad for i mean whatever about my record i've you know it's her first kind of it's her first feature i've put a lot of records out i've done a lot of different things and it's fine i'm able you know whatever but i really i really feel for like you know you're you're closing a film festival it's your first kind of run out you know with something like this and you just can't do it and I know all, there's worse it's things it's all online yeah before people want to jump down my neck I know there's worse things but of course.
2: it's just but it's your situation Like it's, it's like, my situation yeah, and your a, situation yeah.
1: and it's creative work like like it's it's artistry yeah. so
2: you have to yeah. you know yeah like like you're not like fucking trashing the room here you're just like yeah,
1: expressing but just in case you know how it goes online. of course
2: yeah 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 how dare he um, how dare he think but like, it's such a, like, that's, I, I guess like the kind of the timing for both of those things, those two projects kind of independent of each other made by people kind of living yeah. in the same space. Are you able to kind of just completely close off those worlds or like, is there any kind of collaboration or is it just
1: like, I've got my thing, she's got her
2: thing. They happen to both be really unique projects and that's cool.
1: Yeah. Like we, we lean on one another for an year. Like, what do you think of this? And like, Rachel is living with me. We're living together a long time, so she's heard every single most songs I've written, and you know she's really good. She'll come in and kind of raise an eyebrow if it's bad. Get rid of those scratches, man. Get rid of those scratches. <laughs> she'll yeah, or she'll come in and go, yeah, it's really good, or you know, that's you know, and it's maze She's got an an excellent kind of creative ear. She just knows. As, she's she's a great artist, and. She's a really good kinda of help for me, you know, when I'm working along. And again, with her she'll bounce ideas off me, you know, script wise and hey, I think should this should go or we just we we would chat it out. We'd go for a walk in the Phoenix Park. Or we'd go for a walk around the block and kinda if there's something we're stuck on, we'll say, Oh yeah, I'm trying to convey this or I'm trying to get this across and we just kinda we'll chat and then we'll go back to what we're doing and tease it out. To horrible Netflix documentaries you uh, you
2: mentioned that um, Jesus yeah I've seen mean, you say elsewhere that with this song in particular uh, you wanted to kind of record something of a time capsule yeah
1: so it, it, uh, when I start working on when I start working on this song I was thinking about the film The Farthest
2: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: that's cool it's a really cool film I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the golden record that the scientists and nasa guys etched on like different songs and different spoken word recordings and field recordings onto this record and sent it out into space and it's probably still gonna say this is you going back to space again me going back to space again and i when i started that i was thinking about that and then i just thought oh i wonder if somebody heard this song 700 years into the future if planet earth's still around um touch what? (laughs) <laughs> just what I mean, given the current situation, I'm not sure. Let's just say a hundred years. Um, you know, that if someone picked up or, you know, you know, some kid picked up and said, all right, what's this guy singing about? It, it's nearly like, I don't know, it's a message from me to them about what humans maybe were going through at this time, or mm-hmm. what we did or how we interacted or how we felt about certain things as a species. And that was it. It was just yeah it was that kind of message you know
2: we, I, we, we were struggling Paul. <laughs> hope it's better
1: <laughs> it was really hard <laughs> it was this guy called the donald
2: <laughs> well less about him and more about No, i
1: don't i <laughs> well, sorry uh, oh no that's
2: fine we'll apologize. take the next track
0: Fear is cold.
2: So uh, I, I, I'm going to pick you up on that point. The song is Me and My Old Man. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your fiance again there. He said she was instrumental in guiding you out of something. Is that yeah. a case of, uh, in terms of a narrative or in terms of just the way the song was sounding?
1: No, well, I was just like we're just saying, like, it went through many, like there's been many different versions of this. Kind of the start of the song and the end of the song were more or less the same structure wise. Um, but it went like, it was really hard to get like to get everything to connect musically you know that the sections like one into the other making sure everything kind of balanced and um, there
2: is a lot going on in this one I mean I've said like I've kind of written down here that like it, it's got an electronic opener almost like a distress signal which I guess is kind of appropriate given the last song we were talking about and the idea of communication with perhaps it, some other place in the world but also it gives way to I, I, I think this is one of the standout tracks in the record it's a very rich tapestry there's also yeah. interconnection this feels like a short story to me in the sense that like I feel like I'm the one driving the short story forward, like and it does it kind of builds, it, like it, it kind of like after the bit we heard there, which is quite a calm section, yeah. it does kind of ramp up like an anxiety spike and then comes it back down again and settles. So, yeah. but I don't think you lose the thread, which is good.
1: No, uh, yeah, it was it was it was really really hard. We, you mentioned at the start, I, it was kind of it wasn't necessarily a distress signal. It was more like if Morse code was at the beginning is like if Morse code. I was thinking, sorry, if Morse code was like, you know, the the old, you know, the TV is gone or the the phone is gone, it's like beep, 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 like not been able to get through, I think, you know what I mean? It obviously deals with, you know, me and my dad. Yeah, that's the text of it, yeah. It te- yeah, the text of it. So it's just, I think it, it kind of, it's more, it comes across as, I think as you're growing up, you know, your dad wants you to... Like he's never had any sort of you should definitely do this or that, but I think you know as you you grow into becoming a man, sometimes there's a kind of a there's a rite of passage. I think that you might go through, and it's kind of it's it's a really hard song to try and articulate. It's it kind of I I guess it's kind of like uh, the greatest gift that I think a father can give his son or his daughter is a sense of self through all of the you know the growing pains of you know going through like certain things and blah, blah 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 and I think ultimately you've done a really 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 good job if your kid can think for themselves and they you know they're aware of who they are as oh, at what point did you realize that though
2: because um... that's one of those things where it's like oh of course but it can take your whole
1: fucking life you know. It can take a long time. Might not happen at all. Might not happen at all. No, and I, I think it was, yeah, I, it's probably recently enough because it, I guess the song kind of just the song is finished now. So I guess maybe I mean I don't know if it's oh, I don't know if it's finished or if it's still open ended or something like that. Like a, a hell of a lot went into this, like technically, in uh, every. Every instrument had to serve a purpose and I was trying to use like synthesizers and drums to convey the emotions you might feel your chest and like tension and kind of things like that. It's like it's like a human. It's a human, but it's music.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, it feels lived in. I mean, like, I guess in that with regards to that discipline, are you from that school of a song is never finished? It's abandoned or are there songs that you can point to perhaps this one and being Uh, like, no, this is this is done. I'm happy that it's done the way it's done and I wouldn't change it. Because you can always change everything. You you can change
1: everything. I I think I'm more from the Neil Young school of be great and be gone. Just go in and record it, like work towards whatever it is you're going to do. And when you record that version and it goes out on a record, then that's it. You don't look back and then you go and you just work on the next song that you're going to do. And that's, I've kind of... They're not like words to live by. I'm not living by that man. But I just kind of went. You know what? That just <laughs> makes it tattooed re- across your shoulder blades. Like Pardon it's me, not ta- it's, it's not tattooed across your shoulder blades. Yeah, anything, it's yeah. just it just you know what it is. It makes it really really easy to make decisions. And then you just this is how this is going to be. This is the best I can get it to this point. I'm done. I'm moving on.
2: Yeah, I mean it you gotta switch off, right? I mean you gotta have moments where you're like, you know, I can't spend six months on this one track. I mean maybe you could <sighs> if you're tom york or something i don't know but like you know especially for this for a debut i think you got it i think you got to hit a point of like having a belief in yourself you like he mentioned Mm. like sense of self sense of agency yeah i guess you have to apply that to the discipline of songwriting as well
1: you do and at a certain point yeah and it's something that i've found as i've gotten older it's just get in and write it and Put the best structure on it and say what you got to say inside of that and then just go on to the next thing Mm. and just, yeah, keep moving, keep learning, keep, you know, honing your craft.
2: I think every song, unless you're like, you know, being a professional songwriter for other people and or, you know, approaching it from a kind of a mechanical point of view that we would have talked about at the start of this conversation. But I think every song, especially on an album like this, is personal by default. But this one in particular is obviously clearly quite personal. And yeah. as someone myself who has a fairly complicated relationship with my own mm. father, like, I think it's one of the reasons why it's today out for me, because mm. I can hear those, I can hear the good, I can hear the bad, I can hear the regret, yeah. I can hear the appreciation, you know, the, the things said, the things not said. I, th- I, I think it's fairly well achieved, at least from my own kind of projection point of view, I was able to kind of step into it.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, I have a good, I have a, I have a good relationship with my dad, I have a really good relationship with my dad, I love him. But, you know, there's... It, it, it's I don't know it's like a, ma- a man I don't like you know it's a man thing but it is I guess it has to be you know what I mean this kind there's kind of there's an
2: unavoidable masculinity especially when you think about a generational shift and like yeah. an older Irish man in particular I yeah. think it's 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 kind of impossible for it not to be a bit yeah. stereotypical to some ears but like yeah. it's also
1: your fucking lived experience yeah but he turned me on to some great records like the band and Neil Young like he fed that stuff you know into me as a kid so thank you, Dad, <laughs> if you're listening to this. <laughs> when
0: I think I'm falling, I'm always on my feet. ground beneath me changing, Trees disappearing stream. Older than my years, I'm a story told again. Supposed to have it figured out, supposed to be mine. You'll find your the rain, find the you find river
1: the rain. This is a song that was written about one thing and it feels like it's this part of something. There's something else. It feels like it's taken on a new life, like something else. Like it's kind of written about somebody I was going through a very diff, going through a difficult time but then part of it for me in lockdown <clears throat> with dublin being so empty or like i kind of think i'm like sad for dublin okay it's just full of hotels it's just full of grim place it's just really grim like everything you know i work in Camerina bakery on capable street best bakery in the world very nice spot and there's a beautiful Spot a couple doors up, and it's it was rezoned. It could have they could have turned it into a park, but they're turning it into a hotel. It's like a, it would have been like a small little grotto, you know, like those one like really cool city parks that you have, and you know, European cities. It's just it's, fucking, it's gonna be a hotel. It's like Jesus Christ. This song is called River, by the way. Yeah. Just so you know, really, yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry for people that have no, come you, in. you
2: came racing out of the box there, and I was like, yeah. I'm not gonna stop them, like, yeah, go no, for it.
1: I mean, yeah, it just breaks my heart, you know what I mean? It really does. It's, and I know, I know the Dublin thing has been saying about, you know, like Fontaine's were going on about it and blah, 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 blah. You live but, here, man. I live here. I've lived here my whole life. I've seen so many changes, but it's just really upsetting me now.
2: Yeah. It's just really upsetting me. I've had that feeling a few times, especially because, like, with the way the mim- uh, movements are limited, I almost made up a new word mm. there. Um, <laughs> it's, I find myself on the rare occasions that I am. In like the city centre now, uh, mm. and they are uh, rare occasions. You know, authority figures, don't worry. But like, it's very much a case of like, I'm like, oh, that wasn't there before, and it's like a little, and like mm. little's great. Uh, like you know, like I I, mm. I needed to live, but I mean, yeah. it's like, but there's just like I remember like when I moved out of Dublin eight and I came back pre pandemic, and I remember like walking down a stretch of Thomas Street, and I was like, Jesus, it's changed so yeah. much. It's so gentrified now. Yeah. Um and that's yeah but that like that's a that's a conversation we could have all day long and it would probably upset yeah, people I'm so gonna, uh... i will say i've read your press release because it's one of the perks of the job mm. and there's a line in that you have about this song where you said i have been leaning on uh, i've i've been leaning on myself a lot lately uh and then i guess contrasting that with a lyric in this song we heard there you'll find your river through the rain i feel like lines like this whether it's a lyric or whether it's kind of a, a summation of the song for you these lines kind of live and die depending on how much the person saying them means them, how they deliver them, maybe even how long it took to get them onto the page. You know, I'm I'm kind of, we've talked about your lyric writing process and kind of the ruthlessness, but I mean like, I think when it comes to like playing with metaphors and kind of imagery on a song such as this one, I guess sometimes you just got to spell it out, right? You've got to be direct.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it works. It can work. Like I think, remember reading a, an interview with Bob Dylan and he was saying about how some of his songs that he sings really work for him in his way. And then when they get covered by really popular artists, he kind of cringes a bit because the way they sing, like the way the artists might sing it. And he was like, those words were written in a, about a certain thing and I, they were delivered in my delivery. So they they take on a different meaning. And then sometimes some singers come in and they sing them really big and they just they lose all. If I tried to sing them like that, it would sound really cliched. And when I was writing this, I was just ref- I was kind of trying to impart some solace onto myself nearly for, you know, I was thinking about a, an experience that someone I knew was going through and it was just kind of was, I was reflecting on, you know what I mean? It was just like, well, you know. But how does it feel
2: starting out, you know, showing empathy to another person and then it coming back to whether it's you or whether it's mm. a city, you know, like like the idea of it, it evolving that way? Because mm. it doesn't betray the original intention, I can't imagine, but also no. it becomes something else entirely. And I guess you have to, it's that classic thing that you hear all the time, you got to serve the song, right? you got to
1: go serve the song. Yeah, you do. Yeah, it, that That's kind of the, every single song you do, uh, you have to. Don't dress it up with too many bells and whistles. Don't try and, you know, well, the chorus has to come in at X amount of time. Let the song be, let it breathe, let it move. And that's what we did with this record. The whole thing moves and breathes and some of the songs are, well, one or two of them are short, the rest of them are long. That's just how it is. You know what I mean? That's that's what it felt like it should be. They were a living organism that kind of had rhythm and just, you know, swayed and all the rest. But I, I... I think you might. I think as a songwriter, you start writing about a theme or you're writing about something, but I think subconsciously, maybe, I think a lot of the time, maybe there's something else going on and you're using maybe a certain set of circumstances as a vehicle to extract the lyrics and extract the words and put the song together. But really, there's something coming from within that. Needs to be said maybe about something else and that's the way to get it out into the world. I think that's do I think some songs are
0: changes in the breeze.
2: That song is "Hero." I should note, by the way, that Last Animals' this record will hit vinyl at the end of April. I think is the current timeline. It's been delayed a bit because it's of Brexit. Delayed. Good yeah. old Brexit, but it is coming.
1: It is coming. No, it's it's. They're just having manufacture problems. Did I hear limited edition? Limited edition clear yellow vinyl. Delicious. And yeah. uh, for anyone who wants to get that, where
2: can they obtain?
1: Uh, from you can get it from my website. Uh, there'll be a link on my website. It's um, also a link through my Instagram and Twitter. Very, very good. Uh, this song, as I
2: say, is called Hero. Uh, this one in particular has been shouted out by su- such luminaries as Robert Carlyle, yeah. the actor, and Badly Drawn Boy. Also yeah. threw you some praise as well. Yeah. Um, you're not someone who chases, you know, that kind of attention, I suppose. And your own no. Twitter is, you, like, I, I don't see you on there all the time, given out. So, like, you I mentioned before. the odd time. The odd time. It's very rare. That's what Twitter's for. But yeah. I mean, like, but I guess, like, as someone who we've talked about like how you aren't playing the game like that is kind of how you're playing the game is by not playing it really it's nice right when you see stuff like this i assume you respect badly drawn boy and yeah who doesn't like robert carlisle so like when they put you on playlists and or they you know put you put you out there on twitter to their followers who of course would be into i guess badly drawn boy like i kind of i I look to see what the reaction was from people and it seemed like people were like oh i've never heard this before and this is my kind of thing yeah yeah That happened organically, right? I mean, like, I don't imagine you were petitioning the
1: lads or... No, everything, I kind of just haven't done any of that hard sell. I mean, yeah, I mean, at the beginning I'd mail a lot of people trying to get my song on radio just because that's That's what you do. That's what you do, yeah. I don't, I just don't do it. I, I don't know, I, I just don't feel, it, it doesn't come natural to me. Me, um, me neither. I'm like fine. I'm not a musician, but like I find
2: that the separation of having a creative outlet, like for example, like the podcast. Yeah. I I hate the second part where you gotta do something with it now. I'm I like, know. why can't it just be good? And some
1: people are brilliant <laughs> like, at it. Some people. Oh my god. Every tweet, like the some hustle. Fans I know. Yeah. Um, and they're brilliant at it, and their tweets are pure gold. And I'm like, oh god, that's so cool. It's just not me yeah. and that's okay absolutely that's just really okay even the, some
2: people in the fucking like who are like up there like I've, I've spoken to Emma Kennedy before on the mm. show and he himself like he has a team obviously but he's mm. like I can't do the morning breakfast wacky thing I can't yeah, do the, 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 the cool young hip Instagram video he's like I'm just not that guy I'm... and from my own interactions with him he's not that guy so it's yeah, like
1: yeah, yeah I've never I've never met I've... lovely fella but, but he's clearly like a private guy yeah, I which should be allowed. I mean, I love meeting people in the street, and I guess I'm probably quite outgoing and stuff like that. When I, you know, I meet people, I don't know. I just can't do it online. I, I don't. Know, it's it doesn't come naturally. No, it so would be just false. leave it yeah. alone and write songs. Yeah, and shouldn't that be enough though? Shouldn't it be? Well, you know, I guess you know, and and that that goes back to your thing about you know nowadays you got to be every you got to be doctor everything
2: you oh, yeah. I mean? you have for to. any creative person I'm sure it's the same for like uh, for your fiance like I mean like you can't just be the director of film you gotta be like the fucking ev- like every conceivable marketing aspect mm. of it, you know. Yeah. And, and anyone who goes into like journalism now, it's like yeah. you can't just be a writer; you got to be yeah. able to be a video editor, you got to be able to be an audio engineer, yeah. you got to be able to be like this, 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 and this, and get paid fuck all to do it. It's yeah. just it's crazy how, how how much there is there, and it's like
1: kind of it's kind of wild. But getting back to getting back to like how did it happen? We river my song river of the songs and record got played on BBC Six, and then a, a small. In, i think they're from english small english blog L- really liked it the song and took a bit of a deep dive on me and wrote wrote some posts about oh if you like this song this song's about this we found this guy on the radio blah, blah 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 and then badly drawn boy got hooked into it because they said that i'd sounded like him or they, they remind i reminded them of him and then he Reacted And he then tweeted a couple of my songs, you know, to his fan base. And then from that, a couple of other blogs got in touch. And then somehow or another, through that, Robert Carlyle heard a couple of the songs. And yeah, he likes them and yeah, just kind of posts them. And it was, yeah, it was really, it was really exciting. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. It was really, it the was one of kind of things. Like, yeah. How does that happen? And it's completely innocuous. And it's just, it's like a good news story. (laughs) You know, it just feels good. You know, it does. It feels good.
2: No, it's nice. Like, like, and again, like, like, but it's reflective of the work. Like, it's just like, I worked hard on this thing. I didn't, you know, do a big fucking gauche way of selling it. Yeah. And somehow it got picked up by people and it got picked up by like people, like, you know, of of a high profile or Mm. of a certain kind of love for music or a style of music. And, it's that little kind of endorphin rush, right? It's like a serotonin hit, which, you, like, the smallest thing can mean the biggest
1: thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, my phone went wild. It was just, so. <laughs> it was, it was, it was fun. And then it was like, ah, oh, jays, <laughs> you know, it, it was great. It was really, really good a lot of interests and loads of other different things and other people have written about the music then because of it and it's super yeah it's-
2: I was going to say with this song like I mean which has kind of been reflective in some of the other songs too like it, it's, it's kind of one man against an overwhelming world and mm. I was going to actually ask about your relationship with social media which we've kind of discussed I guess as well but like just information in general like I mean I think when you came in here we were talking about the you know fucking COVID and stuff and we were mm. like It's so everything is so overwhelming. Information so overwhelming. Everything everything has a cycle. Whether it is something like that or whether it's just like a a funny video doing the rounds, it's so overwhelming, right? I mean, like in terms of like what we've grown up with versus now, yeah. And the ability to kind of shut off. But I guess as a creative person as well, like you can't just you can't just hide away unless you're Bonnie Vera type. I don't know if that is you. Um, you, How are you you managing your own brain basically, like right now? On top of on top of like releasing a debut album. I mean, like there's just so much happening and I find it so tiring I'm so exhausted (laughs)
1: like yeah I think recently I'm getting it's starting to get to me a little like not been able I think like last year when the pandemic hit so we like I suppose a a schedule of things a timeline we record the record at the end of January took some time off I actually went away for a couple weeks because I was it was six weeks of intense work before we actually set foot in the studio to do 11, 12 hour days just in the studio alone. So, and that went on solidly for two weeks. What studio
2: um, are you in recording this, by the way, sorry?
1: So we made, we made Last Animals with a guy called Darnall who is a producer and has his own studio. Sacred Animals?
2: Wexford. That's him, right? Yeah, Animals. yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes up a bit on the show every yeah. now and I must actually talk to him. Adam, yeah. talk to him.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get to in. Why isn't he on the phone? <laughs> um, I'm, I made the record with Dara. I've made all, all the A. Smith stuff has been made with Dara. So me and Dara have got a really good working relationship. He is a super producer. He's also a really good guy to talk to. You can, you know... I can easily just chat to him about how I'm feeling about stuff, you know what I mean? And he's really good at kinda of, you know, he, he keeps in straight and narrow, you know what I mean? We go, well, you know, you react right to this because of that. And don't you, you know. And I know we spoke about earlier in the interview or, or this thing, you know. This thing. Interview podcast. It's a conversation. This conversation. <laughs> it's a you, God, you God damn it. Goddammit. In this chat. <laughs> You know, it, I am not like I am not this like Buddha Zen guy who just walks in. And I've got my shit together. Of course you know? not. Yeah. Like, who is? No, nobody does. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm sure there's a couple of yogis maybe out, out there who who have and very fucking grateful. Yeah, them. and they they are, and that that is that's totally great. But I'm not. I'm a normal human being that reacts to things, and if this record is a, a testament to that, you know. And like like I said, you know, Dara, really good guy other than you know production yeah um, he's so not just we, all business we we made the record with him um I'm have to losing where I am again we so you're happened. having
2: 12 hour days oh
1: 12 oh for and this is
2: this is after a six week kind of I guess build up yeah it was absolutely knackered so we so once the made, record's done you get out of here for a while
1: yeah get out we get out for a few weeks myself and Rachel went away and I came back and then I was just went straight back into my little studio start writing again just writing every day and then lockdown hit and then it was a long period I think it was like eight or nine weeks I wrote solidly for eight or nine weeks right through the first two months of the pandemic in every day writing recording didn't really feel any kind of pandemic fatigue because it's just naturally what I do when I'm I would do it every day
2: you had a focus yeah. I have a focus and also a focus I guess that kind of lends itself to isolation
1: yeah and I'm very fortunate because I'm able to do that and it's all I've it's basically all of what I do so it just hasn't didn't really bite in next couple months you know you're getting the record finished and I think it was around we were supposed to put the record out in October last year and I started to feel the pandemic at that point because there was no gigs we were trying to book gigs and it was just you know you're not able to see your friends and again you know you talked about the on everything about, you know, being isolated and been away and you're kind of working, but you have to live. Like, yeah. you, you know, I'm not a I'm not a musician and then a human. I'm yeah, a human yeah. But there first. also has to be a third act to that kind of thing, which is in and of itself by default a social thing. Yeah, like, and that's gone. It's gone. It's completely gone and it's not coming back. You know, even last week, I, I had a tough week last week.
2: Right there with you, brother.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, had a really, I know we were texting about it. I, yeah. I had a really hard week because... I was like, my record's coming out next week and we have worked tremendously hard and there's a great anticlimax, it's gonna come out. There is no gigs. Yeah. There is no touring.
2: You can't celebrate it properly.
1: There is no radio, there's no television, there's no anything. And it it really kinda get enemy. I was really just, I was just sad. Yeah. I was sad for it. I was like oh god, when will this end? And then of course you go in the news and I'll limit this, but our government you know, there's, no one is talking to one another. One party says one thing, the other says the other. I mean they're just ill-equipped to run things. Yeah, no I agree.
2: I'm not a political guy but I will say that I went from the start of this being actually kind of almost proud for a few weeks. I was like, seems like people have their, re- have their shit together and like we're getting results and now I'm like what's like this is so bad
1: no it's a a game this is a a game
2: yeah no it is it absolutely is and again like i'm not like i'm not someone who really kind of gets involved in those kind of shit and matches nor am i suggesting you are but like there's not a lot of reason to feel like we're going in any kind of right direction and i guess especially for for creative people in the arts and like again like we know and there's no way i'm sitting here like none of us are saying like this is more important than people losing their lives or ill health Mm. it it absolutely is not of course however as an artist as a creative person who's poured so much of themselves into Mm. this project i mean like i I gotta feel like it's probably like a wedding getting canceled i mean like like this is like Mm. like it's an event yeah and it has been muted
1: yeah
2: no matter what you do like even like i've got friends like it's like three people i know it's their birthday this week
1: yeah
2: and uh, yeah like like uh, of course primarily we're happy and we're healthy that we're happy and we're healthy but like the reward system that a human being has hmm there's supposed to be like this huge graph, this big yeah. build up, this Risk big and reward, thing. yeah. And then you like, then you do the thing, right? And you hopefully have a horrific hangover the next day. But like, mm. in this moment, I mean, I guess like you have to channel all those emotions because, like, it's a fucked up thing, even though I completely understand what you're saying, mm. but it's a fucked up thing to hear you be like, I'm feeling kind of sad about this, when mm. of course you should yeah. be feeling so proud, yeah. You know, whatever you think about the album, whatever, like, whatever anyone, like, whatever any review says or whatever anyone thinks about it, good or bad, it doesn't matter. You you did it.
1: Uh, it that's exactly it. And that's how, we, that's how we made this record. I went, I'm doing this for me. These, this is the the real, not the, you know, the real me, but was like, this is, I'm going to do this for me. This is my document and I'm going to, I'm going to record it this way. I'm going to do it that way. And ultimately that keeps me buoyed or whatever, you know what I mean? That, like that sense of achievement for myself that I set out to do something and it's so different to anything that I've ever put out before. It's just way, way different. And I'm really proud of that. And I'm really happy with that, you know? And I think ultimately that was, that was the true goal. And I have to bring myself back to that, that I achieved my true goal recording this. So I, sh- I should be thankful. That I got there. And then the rest of it is just
0: fluff. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, that, that's track number eight. It's out of the disappear, Um yeah. apparently it was originally a dance club banging anthem, it was,
1: was it? Actually, the original version. Ra- Rachel and uh, Palamine missed the the first version of it because it was like a hard, like bam bam kind of synth going on <laughs> at the start. We could anyway, we couldn't make it work. We were worked like this song, the structure of it in the studio on the day doing the song. We were we still hadn't settled. Um, on the arrangement. It was insanity. But we got there in the end. It's got a big rhythm to it. Yeah. You know? It's driving. And it, I like
2: that. I, I, like, well,
1: I, I especially like the insistence of it. Yeah. Um, the this move. is another 10 minute jam that got cut down. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, I think it has, yeah, like, like, like it's got a big ending as well, you know. Yeah. This one feels like and we'll come to it on the next one as well. But like this one feels like definitely uh, one of the more band kind of sounds. Yeah. But I guess what I want to know about like in terms of like selection process, because I was talking to someone last week uh, who I won't name, but I will say they are an Irish musician. And they said that your song She Kicks, which yeah. came out in 2019, was, quote, the saddest, most beautiful song that an Irish act has released in ages. And it's not on the album. Adding that the song is, quote, perfect. And they were shocked it didn't wow. make it onto the album. So there you go, the fuck you just thrown away gold over here, uh, you know. Listen, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's golden down their hills. Um, yeah, but, but that's the, like a like I think I think hearing that from an Irish songwriter like who I think is a pretty good songwriter. Um, yeah, that's that's really nice. That's, that's a very really interesting nice kind of perspective, I guess. To say. It's kind of one man's like, how the fuck is that not like? And I I was like, yeah, I was like, it's it's like the blaze not putting territory on their album, and it's just like it's a tricky place to be in I suppose when you're like mm. i'm I'm whittling this down and I'm I'm really really sanding this into place and the ones that go on I don't know I mean like like you mentioned earlier on like writing nineteen songs at one stage you, you've said with a lot of these songs they've
1: taken a lot of editing yeah like, to get them down to what they are like that those nineteen songs were for something else that haven't even come out yeah, yeah. I don't know if they'll ever they probably won't ever come out Um, with this yeah there was I there was a sonic template we were kind of working off on uh, that I'm being really really vague here um i felt like i felt like she kicks is a i mean it's one of my songs i felt i feel like it's a bit lofty um maybe in terms of its structure and its dynamic and i felt like it didn't fit into it didn't sonically fit with the other songs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, there's not really nothing really more I can kinda of add to. I mean, it sounds different even from
2: Yeah, and like I'm not trying to like, you know, uh especially the album's done and I'm not being yeah. like, well wait a minute. <laughs> we can yeah. get back I into this. <laughs> <shit." laughs>
1: no, I'm I'm I I live by it. I live by the decision I made not to put on. I it doesn't I haven't lost any sleep over it. Um I love playing that song. Um from time to time it just if it it didn't feel like it should be on the album. It was kind of just a different song. It's really weird. It's uh it's something that I've, I have a hard time articulating. It it was uh it felt like it was for something else. Yeah. That didn't make it and it was a bridge as well from a bunch of different songs and different teams and styles and...
2: I mean, if it's a jigsaw piece that doesn't fit into this particular jigsaw, well, then there's no point in, I guess, trying to just fucking crowbar it in. Yeah. It either works or it doesn't in context. Um, I was going to say that, like, the song title of this one, "Out of the Disappear," yeah. is gets Dave's award for the most Metallica ending uh, song on here. <laughs> yes. But now, of course, it doesn't sound like Metallica, sadly. <laughs> it's the <but> furthest thing. <laughs> not everything does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm going Out to. <laughs> <of> the disappear. <laughs> See, you can do it. Why do not you do it? I'm going I mean, to. I'm going. to I- What I'm going to do is now I'm going to play track nine because they, I-, I want to talk about the whole band aspect of this because I feel like with this song and with "When It Calls," that's where it comes to the fore the most for me. So we'll take a hit of that right now.
0: I know where it's hiding I feel the river in your heart I know the thunder comes I feel like
2: That track is when it calls. It's the penultimate track on this album. And like I say, the last song, Out of the Disappear, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do the Metallica thing again. Uh, it brought the more band aspect of the four and its climax, yeah. but it's very much on full display throughout here. So, um, it, like, this is what interests me because I've seen you play live and I've seen you solo and I've seen you with the band. Yeah. You mentioned the band already. I think a lot of those guys have history in other bands as well. Yeah. How did you come to select that, and also where does you know A Smith the solo and A Smith the frontman of a band begin and end? Because I guess you can do both, but you're still positioning yourself as you. Yeah. So I guess is that like a like what what kind of marriage is going on there essentially?
1: Well, the band I've been with the guys in the band now for a couple of years, like a good few years. Um, Dar, uh, Dar Higgins plays with the Jimmy Cake kind of on a hiatus Um, he's been playing bass with me I'd say since 2016 he he actually sat in on that session where we did 19 songs for something that nothing ever happened that was his first kind of he's still friends with you (laughs) yeah introduction yeah 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 he's a there's a great guy I love him like Dar yeah drum or sorry Dar plays bass and Dennis Cassidy who did additional production on the record he helps me a lot before I get to Darren Olin's, before we go into, like, big studio. Dennis will help me go through all of the arrangements and the structures, making sure everything is down. Like, it's, you know, it's not just me on my own. Like, they, he'll come in and go, no, you need to move that, or let's just pull that, and all right, make it, um, we might, you know, try something, you know, here. Like, those guys have been, those guys are instrumental to, it's funny that we land on When It Calls, because it's it's kind of the essence of who those guys are you know I mean their styles you know their styles how they play in um, every song in this record that they play well the nine tracks that they play and they brought everything of who they are to the songs it wasn't a case of like we had a rough way of how I wanted the song to go in terms of can we have a drum beat that's like this or you know I envision the bass as like this but they brought their own kind of they brought their own thing I love and respect them they they are super super musicians um, so for them it was a real like I suppose on When It Calls it was their real flesh out moment because they could really do their thing same with Ryan and he he kind of came in about a month before we made the record about a month a month and a half because we were doing other voices and um, Kevin Corkum who plays the Villagers he was off doing that and he couldn't do it and we got Ryan in to help us out and then Ryan just stayed. He was, Ryan's excellent. He is, the said song goes, Ryan, okay, doo doo and he's in and it, it's, <laughs> you know, it's done and it, so those guys just literally, they were one take, two take, you know, I mean, never more than three takes on the song. So just, How
2: different of a record do you think Last Animals would be if it
1: was just you? It would, I don't think, it It would be very kind of boxy. It would be rigid. It would be very rigid because the guys play with kind of sometimes ahead, sometimes behind. They've got like, they're just, they've got groove. They're just groove full stop. You know what I mean? They're never, they're never out of, they're never out of time or out of place. And if you listen to the demos that I construct, they're good demos. Like they're really, really good and they pass, but but they feel rigid because I'm not a drummer. And I'm not a bass player. I can play bass and I can map out drums and all the rest and I can play small bits of piano, but they're kind of, you can tell it's somebody who's maybe not 100, you you can tell I'm not 100% comfortable on those instruments. It would be very different.
2: Yeah, I find it interesting because, I mean, like, it's clear with this project that it was very much a case of you're in control, but Mm. it didn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean it's just me. Like, you know, it is that kind of level of...
1: Yeah, I mean, someone has to call the shots. Yeah. I mean, for any project we You're work. giving stuff up to get stuff back. I yeah. Guess, as well. But I, I don't have to worry with, you know, working with Dara or working with Dip or Dennis or Ryan. Like, I don't have to worry about what's going to come back and go, this is how it... You just, I mean, I've I've been, just point to know, I've been playing in bands with Dennis Cassidy since I've been maybe 13, 14 years of age, 15. So I've known him all my life. So we know each other really well musically we've played each other for so long he knows what makes me tick and vice versa so it's not like he gotta go in and go oh god it's just this is how the song goes and what way do you want an earn? okay why don't we try it like this so oh, that works okay great and then they go away and they refine like it's funny like dennis will turn up and he's got all his drums written out on you know his manuscript paper and he's got all the music and it's noted out it's like Super pro stuff, same with Dip, he has everything written out, you know, all the breaks, all the bits, and he's constantly, like, to go back a song, out of the Disappear, that was something that, when we were recording it, we were still unsure about how it should grow, it groove, we were having trouble trying to get it to, like, swing properly. Dennis was, Dennis mixed the drums up on the day, like, what we practised and rehearsed, didn't make the record and he played it exactly. Like everything was considered, even the changes he was making. He was, he would come away and he go back to his manuscript. And it was like he was solving an equation or something, mm. you know, where there should be dip, sat down and he gave me a version of what the bass is. And then he, I was like, I don't think that's it. And he was like, right, I'll give you this. And he gave me that, i like, that's it, that's how it went, that's how they roll.
2: Vocally on this one, it kind of feels like a particularly, I guess, like maybe enjoyable is too basic a word, but like, there's times on here where it sounds almost like you're engaging in like a self duet or something. There's there's a very nice dovetail, which I like. I I think it's a it's a good kind of exercise for you in that way. I, I, I think you sound quite free on this one. Yeah, maybe that's because of the guys in the background being able to just kind of hold it. But like, I don't know, like like, like there was a point here where the vocals like pretty much soared. I was
1: like, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot less in this track. Mm. Like uh the, the arrangement is really sparse. Like you know what I mean? It's a kick, it's like a drum, it's a drums and bass and vocals for like the first half of the song. You know, a bit of piano comes in and the synth pulls out and even the bass just sucks straight back in. So there's a lot of there's so much room to get the vocal really right. Um and some songs lend themselves to that. And I think it was it was freeing it was it just felt really free when we were recording it. it was easy to it was easier for me to sing and do I guess maybe it's because yeah probably the guys
2: all right we got one track left the And that's how the record ends, folks. That song is called Tempt. I'm not going to do the Aaron Smith. What tempts you in life? I'm going to ask you instead. (laughs) Um, You said to me there that this was essentially like a one take live moment. It does. It sounds like physically sounds different. of like the vocal production. uh, It's got a a more unique presence than anything else on the album. Like it sounds very clearly geared towards that kind of sense of of place, really, I guess. But uh, in terms of the recording, it was kind of
1: one and done, right? It was when i done, it was, that's the only, it was recorded live. That's the only version of that song. Um, we had finished out of The Disappear, we'd finished tracking it, and Dara set up two mics, one for my voice, one for my guitar. He said, let's roll, let's do it. And i kind of started and I stopped maybe after about three or four seconds. And then I went and did it in one take and we listened back and we went, that's it, let's move on. And that was it. Just wow. one, one go.
2: No, no second chances. No, no
1: second chances. No second no, guesses. We just like that. That's all we did. Like that was it. But going into this record, I knew every single song inside out. Like you, you have to, because yeah. you're up against a, you're up against the clock. You know, you got you have to kind of have to have your act together. Um, but with that one, yeah, it kind of, and that was the last song written for the record.
2: It feels like, like, like it feels like a very natural closer. It does feel like the spotlight fading. It does feel like you're the only guy there on the stage and the light is dimming as you're doing it. Yeah. And it works in that regard. I wanted to ask, I mean, with regards to setting it to make this, the entire record, Mm. what you wanted to accomplish, what you have accomplished, Mm. kind of where do you, how close do you think you got, or is that not even the correct way to look at it, really?
1: I, I set it to make something unique to me Um, and I I, I've definitely accomplished what I had set out to do for for me I'm not like saying you know what's the most unique record of all time no this is just personally for me Um, I set it to make a document of where I was at a point in time in my life and about things that I was maybe experiencing or had experienced and how I felt about the human condition at that point in time, and I, I did it. I did it the way I wanted to do it. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's it. I guess I,
2: I guess like it's this is the part where I say congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a strange place, especially when you speak to a musician about their work, which is like this is what we're focusing on. Mm. But obviously, so much time has passed between. Yeah. Coming out of the studio and it where it is now, where the world is now, you are still writing. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine that that has
1: ceased too much. So No, I'm still writing away. Still working away.
2: What is it like for you now in this moment, releasing this album while also being pretty far down the line in terms of life experience now versus when it was made? Yeah, I I think Nilo had that issue as well. Like when we talked to him, like, like he had songs that were out for a long time Mm. and he'd move past, like he'd mentally move past them. But obviously it in no way diminishes his feeling on what he accomplished. But like, it's, Mm. I guess you're always moving forward. Like it's your classic, you're only as good as your last thing or whatever. But like to simultaneously stand here and be like, here's this album I'm really fucking proud Mm. of in this weird moment, but also I'm still on fire. I'm still doing things.
1: Yeah, I'm still recording away. I'm still, I kind of, I didn't stop when we finished recording, I can't remember what date it was, maybe it was the 22nd or 27th of January last year, I was in my studio the next day, just kind of coming up with ideas, kind of writing, just recording things down, not for any great purpose, it's just what I would, what I do. That's the rhythm, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm still writing at the moment, just kind of cataloging and seeing how I feel about certain things and exploring different sounds. And I mean, it's great that this record's coming out. I kind of, I haven't really been thinking about the the future too much in terms of what's next and following up, because I felt that it would do the record we made a disservice. This is how I feel personally. thinking about album number two um, because I, re- I want to give Lost Animals the best shot to kind of not be impeded or have any any other I know it's getting like woo woo or whatever but I, I, I wanted to just like a duck getting into a pond and going out in the stream on its own unencumbered by any other ducks you know but just let it go out and float out and do its thing before I start going right I've got to think about how I'm going to follow this up I just think I, w- I want to celebrate this. Absolutely. I want to enjoy it. I, wanna, yeah. I want to the joy of putting something out and I want to think about the record and think about all the things we accomplished and think about... I mean, I don't think could I have done anything any different. I just... It is what it is. It's how I made it. I reflect back and Neil Young. We went in, like, be great and be gone. I'm not saying, oh, it's great, but you go in and you do the... Be as great as you can be and then just... You know, move on to the next thing, but I want to just—I want to—I want to experience this before it's gone, because it's going to go soon. It's going to be released, and then that'll be it. Then the last animals period will be consigned to—I don't know—a moment in time. And I want to just hang on to a moment, because I think humans have a tendency of—we want what's next. You know what I mean? What? Give me! I want to experience this new thing. I want to—and I don't. I want to slow time down. I want to go back up into space and just be like.
2: I was going to say um, you used a word earlier on uh, the word was document and mm. I think that that is a word that fits this record mm. like a fucking glove so the name of the album of course is Last Animals mm. the artist is A. Smith Yeah, Aaron to his friends yeah. congratulations Aaron well done thank you very much and so thanks nice for thank talking you. to us about it. I really appreciate yeah, it I really appreciate it thank you for having me here. That was A. Smith in conversation on No Encore, discussing debut album Last Animals, which is out now with a vinyl release to follow in the coming weeks. Get on it and give Aaron the support he deserves in this strange, walled-in time. Once more, uh, No Encore is on Patreon, patreon.com slash noencore, for episode previews, for bonus episodes, for all the love in the world that we can provide in the form of making the show on a weekly basis. Thank you so much for everyone who does support the show on there, and uh, come on in, water's warm. We're back this Friday on the main show, your main No Encore experience with plenty of music news, including a very busy news section. Uh, we've got the breakup of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian to discuss. We've got the demise of Daft Punk to discuss. We'll also review the powerful new album from Mogwai called As The Love Continues. And our top five in honor of that band will go down the road of instrumental songs. So we're going to have our sheds for best instrumental songs and we're going to see how that one goes. But for now, this was an episode in conversation track by track with A. Smith for Last Animals. Thank you again, Aaron, for coming in and sharing all of your thoughts on it. It was great. My name is Dave Hanreddy. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And we're back
1: very, very soon. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep,
0: I
2: packed the craft beers I got it Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European Linen.